When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here in the final few minutes of Maroon Friday, I celebrated Maroon Friday at Mistletoe Marketplace in Jackson. would like to thank everybody that came out and bought books and those who just came to say hello and perhaps get a picture and just say how much they appreciate the show or perhaps the books that I've written and the work we do over at jeanspage.com. You guys are very, very gracious. And you make a, a, a young guy from a small town south Mississippi feel awfully special for the work that he's done for this Mississippi State fan base. And uh, we're really just getting started, uh, I hope anyway. Uh, very committed to a lot of bigger projects down the road. And uh, a lot of good things have happened here as of late. And I'm very appreciative of that. There are some things that I, I, I can't share with you guys just yet. But uh, some cool things are going on. Got a cool top ten list. I'm texting Roy right now. Uh this is an interesting list, to say the least. One of your favorite bands, a kind of a spin on one of the greatest American rock bands of all time. All right, let's just kind of let you guys kind of get in the pocket right now and be thinking, what's he thinking about? Where's he going? One of the greatest rock bands in American history, kind of a different take on their catalog today, sort of. But, uh, yeah, we got a ball game to play tomorrow. And it seems like it's been such an eventful week, and we're not going to spend any time today talking about any of that stuff. We're going to talk about what's ahead of us. We're going to talk about what's in front of us uh, immediately tomorrow. We're going to play Auburn tomorrow. And I was speaking to uh, the illustrious Heindog, my, uh, my dear friend and compatriot. You know, a lot of our people out like we're playing East Tennessee State tomorrow. We're playing Auburn on Saturday. And by the time many of you listen, it's going to be Saturday. We're playing Auburn. Now, I understand they've had some challenges the last couple of years. They still got some dudes. And we're going to talk about them a little bit later in the show, kind of give you my final thoughts on Auburn. Many of you are on your, on your way driving to Starkville now. Perhaps you're sitting out at the tailgate. I want to thank you guys for being Bulldogs, too. This week, I have been especially proud to be a Mississippi State fan. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show, too. And I got to tell you, it's amazing what happens when we're all pulling the rope in the same direction. I mean, it really, really is. And I, I, I can't overstate how important what this week has meant. I mean, honestly. Going to break some things down for you on the show. Again, there's a lot. we're going to talk about a lot of things that you guys are talking about. And I've had a lot of feedback from people said, Hey, Steve, I don't quite understand this. Could you spend some time on the show talking about this? We're going to do that. We're going to do it. And, you know, that's the, the thing about this show I've always wanted it to be you know, educational, informative, and entertaining. And sometimes we get kind of pause the, the silliness, right? I know that I can get a little silly at times. We've got to pause that and kind of be educational. And we're going to do some of that today. But we're also going to look around the league. And it's a great day of football, some huge games in the SEC. And you always expect that in November. But some big ones that uh, not just impact the SEC, but perhaps the national landscape of college football. I like it when we're involved in those games. We're not, but uh, we're going to take on Auburn. And uh, you guys have heard my preview of Auburn on Wednesday. 
again, learned some things, you know, here in the last couple days since we recorded that show, kind of reading up and kind of talking to some people, trading some text messages. I'm going to share some of that with you, too, as we kind of give our, again, our final thoughts as we preview uh, tonight's ball game against the Auburn Tigers. And remember, it's Auburn. Even in a down year, Auburn has talent. So we're going to have to bring it. We can't just show up and just think they're going to give it to us. They're not. And Cadillac Williams, of course, a guy that's an Auburn man through and through, he'll have those guys motivated to play. He will, as much as he can. So we're going to break that down later in the show. If you're looking for lunch today, let me encourage you to stop at Bulldog Burger Company. If you're making your way through maybe central Mississippi, you're heading up on 55, uh, stop in there at Lake Harbor Drive and go to the newest location for Bulldog Burger Company. You'll be glad you did. If you're heading down from northeast Mississippi, maybe stop in Tupelo on Gloucester Street and enjoy Bulldog Burger Company. If you're in town and maybe you're not tailgating, Bulldog Burger Company is a place to go for you. Now, if you know those the, the savvy tailgater may be ordered ahead, right? But on game day, there's not a better place to go eat in Starkville or on your way to Starkville than Bulldog Burger Company. The kids are going to love it. You're going to love it. Get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. You'll be glad you did. And if you're in town, it's going to be a little bit rainy in the afternoon. You can go by and sit on that patio and kind of enjoy some cooler temperatures and be dry and maybe eat outside. And you can be a little more rambunctious outside. You know what I'm saying? Like you can be loud and kind of preview the games and you know talk about everything that's going on. Bulldog Burger Company is the place for you. Whether it be a night out with friends or a night out with family, Bulldog Burger Company has the menu and the service to provide you what you need. You can have an adult beverage, watch the games, or perhaps you just want to sit down with the family and break bread. You can do that too. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Matter of fact, I encourage you, if you're on your way to Starkville, uh, make Starkville more beautiful by eating the spring rolls on your way here so it has time to kind of take effect. Many of you have already beautiful. I mean, I, I submit to you that Bulldogs are the most beautiful people in the world. And I think a lot, a big part of that is because we do enjoy the spring rolls. How the pimentology add bacon? It'll put some hair on your chest. Make you feel more like a man, right? And mom, we hadn't forgot about you either. A lot of options for you to choose from. Uh, my daughter-in-law is a big fan of the Mission. That's her favorite burger. When we eat at Bulldog Burger Company with Aaron in town, she always orders the Mission. Really likes that one. It's a favorite for sure. And get that chocolate shake to go. I am a big proponent of the dessert to go. You'll be glad you did that. You need that palate cleanser anyway. There's no point in showing up on, on campus and thinking, oh, i got to go to a concession stand and get in a line. Just order that chocolate shake to go about 10 minutes or so before your meal is over. By the time you've settled the check, your chocolate shake is delivered. You can take it with you. How about that? Awesome. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Let's look around the Southeastern Conference. As I shared with you, it's a huge weekend. And sometimes I feel like we've been a little bit distracted. You know, and sometimes you got to do that, right? You got to worry about your own stuff, right? That's the reality of it. This week, I feel like this weekend has kind of snuck up on us. And there are some great games on tap in the Southeastern Conference. Let's break them down. I don't think the opening game is one of them. Kentucky is at Missouri. Missouri with the upset last weekend in Columbia, South Carolina. They go and beat South Carolina. The team was flat. Stadium was flat. Players are flat. I think uh, South Carolina ran, what, like 11 offensive plays in the first quarter and a half. Missouri just jumped on South Carolina 
And that improving Missouri defense made it stand up. And that was really the issue with Missouri last year. Not that Missouri's a great team this year. But last year, Missouri's defense couldn't stop anybody. But this year, they have been much better. And it's not just South Carolina. I mean, you look at the numbers here, like, again, you know, Auburn's not a great offensive team, but they hold them to 17 points. They hold Georgia, the number one team in the country, 26 and lose by four. They hold Florida in the swamp to 24 and lose by seven. They hold Vandy to 14, win that game. That's not a huge accomplishment, but still, you kind of get my point. And then they go into South Carolina and hold the number 25 team in the country to 10 points. So this is an improving defense. I think this could be a sneaky good game. Now, you don't have an emotional investment in it, you know what I mean? So it's not going to be, you're not going to be pumping your fist at the tailgate. But this could be one of those games that may actually go down to the last possession. And that sounds a little silly to say, but guys, I'll be honest with you, Missouri could beat Kentucky. And that sounds silly. You know, Missouri's 4-4 four and four and still kind of battling to get bowl eligible. They have got to get this game, in my estimation, to get bowl eligible. You got New Mexico State kind of in your back pocket, kind of riding there on November 19th. You feel like that's in. And if I'm Eli Drinkwitz, I'm telling my guys, hey, you win this one, we're going bowling. So you're going to get their best effort. Missouri next week is at Tennessee. That's a loss. They end up the year with Arkansas coming in, and I would favor the Razorbacks there right now. So I think you're going to get a real sense of urgency from Missouri. And again, a couple weeks ago, I didn't think hey, they're probably going to end the year five and seven. I think they push all their chips into the middle the table this weekend. Because I think in many respects, the season is on the line. And if you're Eli Drinkwitz, you can't afford to have another negative year. That's what you're facing, right? Now, Kentucky, on the other hand, of course, there are some people that had them winning the national championship. Well, that's not true. I'm being a little bit silly. But uh, – I'm sure there's some people that thought it and were just scared to write it. But you start thinking about this Kentucky team, and I again, I thought they'd probably be 8-4. and four. they got to win this one to make that happen. Now, they're going to be a solid bowl team. They're not going to reach expectations that many had placed upon them. And to be honest with you, I think they were unfair expectations. I think a lot of people got caught up in the hype of the mock draft. Oh, well, well, well Levis is projected to be a first-rounder, so Kentucky's got to be good. Because you know what they've got with Chris Rodriguez. You know that that uh, linebacker core is really good. Little did they know that Jacquez Jones would go down. None of us knew could project that, right? The guy's a tackling machine. Former Ole Miss linebacker Jacquez Jones, a guy at one time was leaning to Mississippi State, ends up in Lexington. You know what you got with Square? The guy's a stud. Fuck, he's, he's, he's like on the Austin Williams scholarship. He's still around. So you feel confident Kentucky – is going to be in a ball game. You know, they're 5-3. and three. You still got Vanderbilt left. You got Louisville left, who's really struggled this year. It's a rivalry game, so you can't always, you know, count that one. But Kentucky needs this one, too. Now, could Kentucky afford to lose this game and still get in the bowl? Yes, they can. But they still got Georgia lurking on November 19th. And I think there's nobody right now in the country, save a few Homer Wildcat fans, that would pick Kentucky to beat Georgia, even though that game's in Lexington. So there's some added importance on this game. I really think you're going to see both teams come out and play hard. I really do. And Kentucky got absolutely smashed last weekend. Absolutely smashed. Kind of reminder that, you know what, you're, you're a pretender rather than a contender in the SEC East. 
And I think in many respects that the window for Kentucky to be a serious team in the East has officially closed with the rise of Tennessee. And now that Tennessee is back, now, now you got to deal with Tennessee, Florida, and Georgia. And you can say what you want to about Billy Napier. They're going to get it going at Florida. Not this year, but they're going to get it going. Now, they may get it going at Florida this weekend. I guess we back up. I'm going to pick Kentucky to win the game because I think the talent differential is a little bit greater. But with Missouri being at home, I mean, is it a 27-23 type ball game? I, I suspect so. I don't think it's going to turn into a shootout, but I do think it's going to be a very competitive game. And again, it's 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. All right, back to this Florida A&M game. There are some late reports, kind of unconfirmed, that the flu has kind of run through the Aggie locker room. Now, I have picked A&M to win this game. But if those reports are correct, that A&M is dealing with an outbreak of influenza, all bets are off. Florida, of course, got talent, not really showing it this year. And again, it's year one. You can't be critical of Bill Nebbia right now. I know a lot of people, you want to jump on that because you're not used to seeing Florida at four and four. My honest opinion is when people say, what happened to Florida? What happened to Florida? I think Dan Mullen's attitude towards recruiting happened to Florida. You won big the early couple years, right? You did. You kind of got things going. I think it's one of those things, too, where Dan was playing with somebody else, with Will Muschamp's players, right? I think we all look at it that way, right? I think we should. But I think what's happened is some lazy recruiting has come home to roost in Gainesville. And I think, and that's not saying anything that Florida fans aren't really saying among themselves. That They kind of recognize, hey, this isn't going to go the way we, we hope here. In 2020, I guess it's back a little more. In 2018, a year that Dan Mullen should have been in Mississippi State, we should have been in Atlanta. Thanks, Dan. The Gators go 10-3. and three. They win the Peach Bowl, and they finish in the top 10. Everybody's like, hey, they're going. They're rolling. 2019, 11-2. They win the Orange Bowl, finish in the top 10. Pretty incredible. 2020, the COVID year, they get over the hump, and they win the SEC East and go to Atlanta. They had some guys opt out. They had some guys get injured. They had some guys with covid they got crushed in the Cotton Bowl, but it's three consecutive New Year's Six games. He finished in the top 15. But you could kind of begin to see that maybe Florida wasn't as imposing as they should be. And then the wheels come off last year. Greg Knox, God bless him wins the Florida State game to get them ball eligible, and they lose in the Gasparilla Bowl. The long loss in the storied coaching career of Greg Knox. He's 2-1 now. But I believe what you have – you could probably have foreseen this in some respects because of how Dan recruited Florida. And that's the thing about recruiting. It really only takes a couple of, you know, maybe subpar – classes to show up on the field when you're expected to recruit at a national level. And when you're an eight and four, seven and five team, 
sometimes you can overcome that. You, maybe you can scheme around that. But I think Billy's a guy that's kind of picking up a tab on that. And, again, they're going to be fine. Will they be Florida again? I, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. Maybe a little while. But it's interesting. Like, Dan, we talked about all those years when Dan was at State, when Ole Miss was struggling. Like, Dan could never, like, put his foot on her throat. Look at what Miami and Florida State have done during the Dan Mullen era. Let me save you the trouble of hitting Google. Nothing. And so Dan had a chance to make Florida the premier college football program in the state of Florida again and didn't do it. And now there's been a coaching change at Florida. Think about it. Coaching changes at Florida State during his tenure. They bring in Norvell, right? Manny Diaz fired at Miami. You know, so Dan had a chance to really you know, kind of get some separation. And so Billy and those guys now, again, four and four, you don't expect that. I didn't expect them to be a four and four team. I thought they would probably finish third in the East behind, you know, Georgia one, Tennessee two, and then uh, Florida three and Kentucky four. You know, Kentucky's got a chance, obviously, to, to flip that because they win that game in the swamp, 26-16. But you start counting games here for them, and again, we, we touch on it just about every week. It's a big game for Florida. And if A&M is really struggling with influenza, I think you favor Florida. Again, I picked Texas A&M in a Jeans Page picks, and I'm going to hold true to that. I'm not going to get out here and waffle on game day. So we'll stick with Florida. But you look down the stretch here, the only sure win for Florida the rest of the way is Vanderbilt. You win this one, you win at Vandy, you're bow eligible again. How many years are they going to put up with that? You know, six and six. Even though Billy's not going anywhere. But you got to feel like Florida fans are really getting disappointed. You know, with football. That's one thing they can always kind of count on is throwing their weight around on the football field. Now, the game of the day and perhaps game of the year. Tennessee at Georgia. I'm so glad this is a 2.30 game. We'll have a chance to watch this one before uh, our game. We'll watch most of it in the press box. But Tennessee at Georgia, this is one of those games that you dream of. Uh, Hind Dog and I were talking earlier. The Alabama-LSU game, in many respects, even though it's in primetime, is kind of an afterthought to this SEC East championship game. And that's how it looks. I think when you're honest with yourself, you know, again, beginning of the year, your good friend and host said Tennessee would be second in the East. They're, they're well ahead of schedule and now number one in the FBS playoff poll. Georgia's three. I think that's a negative for Tennessee because I think Kirby Smart's going to come out there and tell his team, you know what, you guys are the defending NFL champions and this FBS playoff committee puts you behind Tennessee, a team that uh, you have done a good job defeating in recent years. So they're not showing us any respect. We're the champs. Nobody's showing us any respect. Kirby doesn't need to say anything, right? He, he will, but he doesn't have to. Georgia's won five in a row against Tennessee. That's pretty crazy to think about, right? You had that crazy game back in 16. Remember that in Athens? But, you know, it's 10 of the last 12 for Georgia. So I'm sure Kirby's going to be like, dudes, guys, here's the deal. We are not getting respected. It's time for us to go out here and punch somebody in the mouth. 
I like Georgia in the game. I think it's a late cover for the Bulldogs. I think Tennessee is explosive enough on offense. They can make this game awfully interesting. Of course, that Tennessee front, really good against a run. George is going to want to run the football. Um, you know, Stetson's going to have to go make some plays. And I don't know if you saw this thing. Too. I want to comment on this, too. Like, you saw this thing where somebody leaked out the check, saying he left a $10 tip on, like, a big – like, a $180 check. It's so tacky to do that, right? Number one, a gratuity is a gratuity. I, I believe that I'm a good tipper. I always tip more than 20%. And it's not because I'm afraid somebody's going to screenshot the check and put it out there on social media. But it's so tacky to do that. How do I know the service wasn't bad? How do I know that the server didn't have a bad attitude? How do I know the server didn't keep the drinks filled? How do I know the server never came back and checked on the You don't know that. All you, so all of a sudden, we're going to put this out here and make this kid look bad. And people are like, oh, he's got these big NIL deals. How can he do that? You don't know what happened. All you see is the check. And you don't know if maybe perhaps it was a big check and everybody else picked up and, and Stetson tells the group, hey, you guys maybe throw in some cash for the tip here. You don't know. So you kind of you don't get the proper context. The whole thing is stupid. Uh, but I think this is a guy, too, that will probably come out ready to play. There were so many people that doubted that kid. He won him to the national championship. Again, a chance to kind of prove that uh, you're the man. So I like Georgia late. But, man, this is going to be – I expect this to be a great game. I know you guys do as well. Really excited about this one. I think this is, again, it's one of those games that'll change the playoffs. And a lot of people have wondered, could we get three teams in a playoff? And I say absolutely. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply you can Tennessee loses this game and then wins out Tennessee's in a playoff how do you keep a one loss Tennessee out of the playoff let's say Georgia wins the East 
Alabama wins West, and let's say Alabama beats Georgia and Atlanta, well, how do you keep a one-loss Alabama team that wins the SEC out of playoff? Well, you can't. Well, how do you, com- how do you leave the number one, um, excuse me, the, the Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national champions with one loss out of the playoff? Well, you can't. And then how do you leave Tennessee out? So, yeah, you could have three one-loss teams. Again, there's some moving parts to that, but it's not you know, unrealistic in any respect to think that Alabama is going to win the SEC. They absolutely could. Now, if Georgia beats them in Atlanta, then I think all bets are off for Alabama. And then you get Georgia and Tennessee yet. And some have suggested, well, how do you get in the playoff and compete for an NFL championship when you didn't win your own conference? Well, not all conferences are, are, are equal. So, yes, you could absolutely have three SEC teams in the playoffs. Absolutely. I'd love to see it, to be quite honest with you. All right, Liberty at Arkansas. Now, you guys know my history with Hugh Freeze. But anybody that would suggest that Hugh Freeze is not a good football coach is being disingenuous. That was all the joke, you know, when he got hired at home. Oh, he's a women's basketball coach, that kind of stuff. And I don't know if you could say that today anyway and not people look at you funny. The guy can absolutely coach offense. And to suggest otherwise is to be absolutely short-sighted. They can. Is Liberty capable of going into Fayetteville and winning this ballgame, though? Yeah, they are. I don't expect it, though. But the Flames are 7-1. and one. You can say whatever you want to. You can have whatever opinion of Hugh Freeze you want to. But the dude can coach football. He absolutely can. And uh, I think the fact that he's doing it at Liberty kind of validates him even more as a coach. And, and uh, again, Heindog and I, sometimes I think I should bring Heindog on the show. And, like, I've, I've joked with him before. I said, we just ought to do a show talking about college football as a whole. Not just me and her talking about it, but – we had some really good conversations, and uh, he, he makes a lot of good points. But, um, you know, he made a great point last night as I was talking to him on my way home from uh, from uh, Mistletoe Marketplace. The guy's won at Lambeth. He's won at Arkansas State. He's won at Ole Miss. Now he's won at Liberty. I mean, how many places does he have to win for people to say, you know what, hey, the guy's, the guy's a great coach. Does he make it back to the Power Five? I doubt it. And certainly not in the SEC. But, you know, let's look at the three years he's been there. You know, of course, Turner Gill was there for, you know, for several years. And, and listen, they weren't a bad program. Like, I mean, you, you hear people talk about – it's not like Hugh Freeze walked into a situation where they just weren't a good program. They absolutely were a good program. They were getting ready to make the jump to FBS. But, you know, they were a winning program under Turner Gill. And Hugh Freeze uh, takes over after year one. And FBS is an independent. They're not in a conference, and so that's one thing, too. You know, familiarity uh, makes it more difficult because year to year you kind of learn to play against each other. But, you know, year one for free is 8-5, and five, then 10-1, and one, and then 8-5 and five last year. They're 7-1 and one right now. And, again, it's not a great schedule. But they win at Southern Miss, a game that Southern Miss fans will tell you they should have won. They beat UAB. They lose by one point at Wake Forest. Guys, Hugh Freeze and these guys are a field goal away from being undefeated and possibly sneaking into the New Year's Six. They still can. 
They beat Joe Moorhead and Akron 21-12. They win at Old Dominion 38-24. They win at UMass. Blowout there 42-24. Nearly got upset by Gardner-Webb. But they won. And then they beat BYU to death 41-14. And that's a team that Arkansas had good success against too. So this is a real challenge. And I'm sure Freeze is sitting there telling his guys, hey, listen, these are program-defining type moments. And I will give Hugh Freeze a lot of credit. Despite the man's personal failings, this is a guy that instills confidence in his teams. You go back and think about the 2014 team that beat Alabama. Even though that game was in Oxford, Ole Miss shouldn't have won that game. They shouldn't have. That they did. And I think a big part of it is old, uh, Hugh Freeze convinced Ole Miss, you're just as good as these guys. Well, the next year, they got to go to Tuscaloosa. And you know Nick Saban and Alabama had that game circled on the schedule. You know they did. And Chad Kelly goes in there, and it's just like you know, the Mad Bomber. And, of course, they had that crazy deflection that goes for a touchdown, should have been picked. But Hugh Freeze and his teams not scared to go play big competition. Arkansas and Sam Pittman, those guys, uh, you know, look, have looked a lot different with a healthy K.J. Jefferson. I still think State beats him. I don't think we're a good matchup for them with their problems in the secondary. I like Arkansas to win this game because I think in the end that the talent differential will make the difference. And, the fact, and it's tough to play at Razorback Stadium. It truly is. But this could be interesting. I think Arkansas has a good chance to win out, but I will not be surprised if Hugh Freeze and Liberty even win the game, though I did pick Arkansas to win and cover. That's going to be played opposite the CBS game. You almost wish it wasn't. Okay, Alabama's at LSU. Now, who had LSU playing in a you know potential SEC West defining game November 4th? You didn't. Or November 5th, excuse me. You didn't. A lot of people left the Tigers, left for dead, dead and buried. And now Alabama, of course, has got a loss. The winner of this game takes control of the West. Of course, there's still the issue of Ole Miss that is playing well, right? But LSU already holds a tiebreaker. And then Ole Miss still has to defeat Alabama. And Alabama... Um, by their token, you know, they still got a, a tough game, too, against Ole Miss. So, LSU wins this game. Alabama has two losses. And LSU has a tiebreaker over Ole Miss. But it would make for a very interesting November, right, with LSU and Ole Miss tied. You know, probably the tidiest thing for everybody to happen on our side of the fence is for Alabama to beat Ole Miss and give them two losses. But then you start thinking about this whole thing with LSU. LSU beats Alabama. As inconsistent as LSU has been at times, do you really count on LSU winning out? Let's be honest with ourselves. They should. If they can navigate through this thing with Alabama, they should. But you got a big road trip next weekend to Arkansas, a team that beat you last year. That's far from a given. UAB at LSU, that's a win. It's also an, an SEC, not an, a non-SEC game. Then you go to A&M, and based on what we've seen from A&M, I don't think you would see A&M give LSU a game. They've been there before, though. So you feel like if LSU could beat Alabama and then things go the way you need them to go next week, let's say Alabama beats Ole Miss and LSU beats Arkansas, 
Oh, she's going west. Just how it's going to be, right? And so it's right there for the taking for LSU. So a huge game down there. All that said, I picked Alabama. <laughs> I picked Alabama to be LSU. And I think Alabama wins this week. I think Alabama is uh, refocused. Then, of course, uh, Alabama uh, gets a road trip to Ole Miss next week. Be awfully interesting. So you win this week, you win next week, and it's, it's done. So I, I wish we were playing more meaningful football here in the month of November, but an interesting game, to say the least. And, again, I'm going to do more about our game uh, in the final segment of the show. And, yes, I expect State to win. Uh, South Carolina is at Vanderbilt. Again, this is an interesting game because of what happened last year. Vanderbilt should have won the game. South Carolina had to come from behind to beat Vanderbilt in Columbia. And there's a lot of discussion, you know, about you know, Shane and those guys have got to be more consistent. Uh, they will be bowl eligible. I don't, think, I don't think there's any question about it. I think they'll beat Vanderbilt. But I think this is probably their last chance to get bowl eligible. You got to win this one. And I believe they will, even though it's on the road in Nashville. There's, there is no home field advantage in Nashville, really in any sport, now, especially since they've changed the configuration of the basketball court. Because next week they go to the Swamp, then they host Tennessee, then they go to Clemson. They're likely going to finish the season on a three-game losing streak. I mean, I wouldn't completely count out a win at, at Florida. But their best chance to win and get ball eligible is this weekend. And I think Shane and those guys take advantage of that. Uh, so your winners, if I'm going to run it down right now, I'm going Kentucky. I'm going to stick with A&M, but I'm worried about these flu reports. I'm not going to lie about it. Georgia, Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi State, South Carolina. So kind of a mixed bag of road teams and home teams uh, this weekend. And again, further preview of the Alabama-Mississippi State game uh, in the final segment of the show. Uh, now it's time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is your friend in the mortgage business. It is a difficult time right now in the lending industry. And so as a result, you've got people out there that have needs, that need a mortgage professional to help them guide themselves through this you know, tumultuous time. Be sure and check in with Blair. 21 years in the industry, recently voted, uh, I guess, pardon me, works at Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one uh, in customer satisfaction and mortgage loan origination. Top 1% close ratio back-to-back years in the country. Not just in Boonville. Not just in hot coffee. In the country. Give Blair a text or call today on his personal cell, 601-500-2344. Ran into Blair's uh, lovely wife, Christy, at the Mistletoe Marketplace, too. And his daughter tells me that um, she just got a car. So life must be good for the Chandlers. But let Blair know that you heard about him on the boneyard. And even though he's got a new car payment to make, he's going to pay for your appraisal. He's not going to let that stuff interfere with providing good customer service for the Boneyard listener. And it really doesn't matter your college allegiance. I know there are some other fans of other schools that listen to the show occasionally. Uh, so it doesn't, you don't have to be a Bulldog. I mean, it certainly helps, right? 
But when it comes to Blair, Blair just sees people that have needs, and he tries to, to fix those needs. You need somebody like him to be your advocate with underwriting. So stick with the winners. Stick with a guy like Blair Chandler. Again, that's closeatblair.com. Okay, top ten list. Uh, today, I listened to, um, I guess the last couple of days, I have spent a lot of time listening to the Spaghetti Incident album from Guns N' Roses. Many of you don't have that album. Maybe you had Appetite for Destruction. Maybe you had GNR Lies. Maybe you had Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Maybe that's where it ended for you. The Spaghetti Incident, you know, the last recording for Guns N' Roses before they went on hiatus, they broke up. And, of course, then Chinese Democracy got released. And DJ Ashba was in the band. And, uh, let's see, Buckethead, Bumblefoot. I mean, there's all these changes within the band. Now the band is kind of beginning to reunite. I don't think we'll ever see a full reunion. I don't think Izzy or Steven will ever fully be back. But listening to Spaghetti Incident, I was thinking, you know, it's a whole album of covers, and I got to thinking there's been a lot of other covers. So today your top ten list are top ten covers recorded by Guns N' Roses. Not other bands covering guns, guns covering other bands. And, of course, so, so there will be a handful of songs on here from the Spaghetti Incident. But there's probably some other covers in the catalog that you maybe didn't know were covers. So we're going to start with the, uh, the great song, Raw Power. Now, again, this is off the Spaghetti Incident. Uh, Raw Power, one of these songs, too, that I think most of these songs, in my estimation, were better than the original. So this is Iggy Pop and the Stooges, Raw Power, covered by Guns. It's got a lot more punch, a lot. Uh, number nine, one of my favorite songs on that album is Ain't It Fun. Ain't it fun when you know you're going to die young? It's kind of a tragic song, but uh, it's got a lot of great punk attitude in it. But Rocket from the Tombs is the band that originally recorded it. Those guys could actually play, you know. And so I thought Guns really true to the original, but again, I think it's better than the original. Number eight, kind of a wild track here. They had some success with this. This was the first single off of the Spaghetti Incident, it's Since I Don't Have You, originally recorded by the Skyliners and then covered back in the 80s by Ronnie Millsap. And then there's Guns N' Roses doing it. And so it's different than anything else in the catalog, but it got a lot of airplay. It was a top 10 single uh, across the pond over there, but a great one. Number seven, going back uh, to the album GNR Lies. And uh, the, what's interesting, a lot of people that didn't weren't alive then and some people that were and just don't remember because there were a lot of posers back then too, right? I mean, like the only difference today is that, like the posers of today like use filters and social media to reflect maybe a negative um, or maybe a false image of their lives. There were a lot of people back in my day, and it's, it's really my day now too, but when I was growing up, a lot of people wore denim jackets with patches of bands they didn't really support, kind of like all these kids today in their Nirvana shirts. I, I met one today, the only song she knew was uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. And then somebody had to help her come up with number two. I guess that's my little quiz. Can you give me three songs not named Smells Like Teen Spirit? We're undefeated. Undefeated with that. But nevertheless, Guns N' Roses released. They exploded with Appetite for Destruction, and we couldn't wait for more. And so they released this EPG in our lives. And a lot of it was live. They had a couple tracks on there. Used to Lover was on there. It was a, bit, a big hit. And uh, a lot of people misconstrued that song. It was actually about Axl Rose's dog. And so, you know, he put some, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek. But that's not the song, that's, not, that's an original track. The great, amazing, 
live killing song, Nice Boys. A lot of people think that is a GNR original. It's not. It was originally recorded by the punk band Rose Tattoo. And they were kind of a contemporary, in some respects, of Guns. I mean, Axl Rose was a punk rock fan. And uh, Axl, not just a metal guy. You know, people forget Axl Rose and Guns N' Roses took Soundgarden off on a national tour. Axl Rose was the guy that said in an MTV interview that the next big band in the world was Soundgarden. They even cover a Soundgarden track on the Spaghetti Incident. You have Buick McCain, and then you come right behind Buick McCain with Big Dumb Sex and Soundgarden. So it's kind of a, you know, kind of a tip, tip of the cap to them. And, and sometimes live guns will do uh, Black Hole Sun. Uh, Chris and Axel actually very close. But Nice Boys, a song that a lot of people think is a GNR original, is not. Number six, the last single recorded by the band that recorded the Use Your Illusion albums. This is after Izzy had left the band. Uh, Dizzy Reed was a guitar player then. Dizzy did not record this track. It was on the interview for a vampire soundtrack. Matter of fact, if you've watched that absolute classic movie based on the Anne Rice novel, the closing credits, credits play to Sympathy for the Devil that Guns N' Roses covers, former Rolling Stone song, from uh, Beggar's Banquet. But GNR, a good job on it. This is probably the one song on here that I would say is not better than the original. I do like the Guns version. I like the Stones version better. But again, the last single they record, little do we know that this was about to be the end of Guns N' Roses for nearly 20 years. Incredible. The real Guns N' Roses. Okay, number five, one of my favorite GNR covers, and I could I could probably push this one up, but I would probably get some pushback. It's a song from the Runaways. That's right, GNR covered the Runaways. I absolutely love this. The rhythm guitar on this is so great. The bass line, it's all in the pocket right there. It's a good groove and rock song. I think Axel's vocal delivery on this is really good too. You know, it's I think Axel does a really good job using the lower register and maybe he doesn't get the credit for that. It's the track Black Leather. Absolutely love it. It is 10 times better than the original, and that's really saying something. I thought the Runaways did a good job with it. Guns N' Roses, even better. Number four, this is kind of a coin flip for me about which version is better. The Aerosmith original version or the GNR version on GNR Lies, it's the track Mama Ken. Today, I'm going with the GNR version. I'm a big Aerosmith fan too, but I could see it going either way. I love the Aerosmith version, but I like the attitude in the live performance of Guns N' Roses on Mama Ken. And Axel, a huge Steven Tyler fan. And aren't we all? Number three. Now, this the original on this track is an absolute classic. Like some of the Spaghetti Incident songs, they kind of dug them up. It's just songs that they dug that maybe didn't have a lot of national acclaim. This is a song that was huge, and in many respects, probably the signature song for the great band Nazareth. But I think Guns N' Roses' version is much better. It's Hair of the Dog. If nothing else, just the drums. Matt Sorum absolutely kills the drums on this thing. It's incredible. I think, I think there's a little more attitude in the chorus, but Hair of the Dog is one of those songs of defiance. It's a song that means a lot to me, whether it's Gunn singing it, whether it's Nazareth singing it. Uh, matter of fact, if you ever look at my Facebook page when it says, how do you pronounce your name? It says Hair of the Dog. All right, number two, 
Another one, I love the original version. I like the Guns N' Roses version better. I don't think there was a band that was better suited to cover this song than Guns N' Roses. And that is the Wings classic, Live and Let Die. Guns' version is so, so good. And again, the Wings version, I'm a big Paul McCartney fan too. The Wings version was great. But I think they built upon the original, kind of made it their own. But were, they were true to the original, but they added their own Guns N' Roses style. Live and Let Die was amazing. And I love that part. You know, I think Axel, when he sings that Live and Let Die part, you can really feel it in your chest. But number one, this is actually, Bob Dylan wrote this song. But Guns is not covering the Bob Dylan version. Guns N' Roses is covering Heaven's version of Knocking on Heaven's Door. Right? So if you've ever heard that version, so this is not really true to the Dylan version. The lyrics are all the same. But I remember when MTV had that great concert and Axl Rose got up there and talked about losing a friend and Knocking on Heaven's Door. I think in many respects, Guns made this song an even bigger classic. It was already considered a classic by Bob Dylan. And again, Heaven did a good job with it. Guns kind of rocked it up even more. That's the greatest Guns N' Roses cover of all time. Uh, and Because how many people nowadays, when they think about this song, they it's knocking on Heaven's door or whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, hey, you know, yeah, I'm not going to sing it. But you understand my point is that that's the more memorable version and I think even some people from older generations probably defer more to the Guns N' Roses version. So there you go. Top 10 songs covered by Guns N' Roses. That's your top 10 today. If you have ideas for the top 10, reach out and let me know. Better yet, hit Roy up on Twitter at Dogmatic67. And you can find our great list on Spotify. As a matter of fact, by the time you listen to the show, they're already up. Roy, an efficient worker. I went ahead and sent them to him. Roy burning the midnight oil for us. Uh, getting that list together for you. You'll be glad you have it. Guns N' Roses covers. Listen to that on your way home after we beat Auburn uh, tonight. All right, time for the next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I have been with the fine folks of Campus Bookmart at Mistletoe Marketplace for the last uh, two and a half days. I will be at the Campus Bookmart location today from 1 to 4. So if you're in town early, come by. Uh, come talk some football. We can uh, get caught up to date on things, and you can also get some signed books for Christmas encourage you to come do that they'll have all five books there a lot of people say hey see i don't have this they've got all five we've only got five copies of flim flim for some reason flim flim has started selling again uh two so be sure and come by and check it out of course very limited quantities of stark villains and while you're there get some more mississippi state merchandise the best selection of mississippi state merchandise in the known universe a lot of people make a claim similar to that they're incorrect campus bookmark well ahead of their competition the Bully Shop, completely renovated. It's on uh, floor number one now, no longer in the textbook business, so you don't have to walk downstairs. It's enabled them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merch. You'll be glad you came by. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web, and you can order books through them, too, and have them uh, signed and sent to you uh, direct with your Mississippi State merchandising order. Chances are you're going to spend a little, a little coin, so we're going to save you a little cash. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. Okay, so we've had some questions. You know, this week has been amazing. So the Bulldog Initiative, heading into Monday, had 302 members. 
302. Uh, now it's about 1,200. So basically, <laughs> exponentially grown four times its size in a week. So we've tripled what we had done basically in the last several months this week. Now my hope is, is that maybe this time next week, we're talking about 2,000 members. And a lot of people say, well, you know, the, you know, the Grove Initiative has this. I don't care what they have. Number one, I don't, I don't trust them anyway. But it doesn't matter what our competition has. It matters what we have. And if we're going to compete in the SEC, we're going to have to have NIL funds. And people say, well, Steve, exactly how does that work? Well, you saw today that the university released this endorsement-type platform. And you can go and have Bulldog players come to your event you can have Bulldog players sign autographs for you. You can have Bulldog players do all sorts of things. They can send you know, a video. If that's your favorite player, your child's favorite player, you can get them to record a short video for you and give it to them for Christmas. They give you a shout-out on social media. There's a lot of things you can do. But what does the Bulldog Initiative do? Well, there's a lot of things they do. Number one, they market the athletes and help them find NIL deals. Let's say, for an example, if you – want to have a bulldog do an advertising campaign or a social media campaign for your business, you can contact Charlie Winfield at the Bulldog Initiative and they can make those arrangements. That's one of the benefits of having a collective and it's run by bulldog people, you know, so and a larger percentage of the money is going to them, to our players, than through other NIL opportunities. Now, all this is a for-profit business. It's not tax deductible unless it's, you know, if you're using it for an advertising uh, campaign, you can write that off as a marketing expense. But as an individual, if you make a donation, that in and of itself is not tax deductible. Now, we have, uh, I have laid down a challenge on Gene's page. Mississippi State wins on Saturday. I'm going to donate $5 for every point Mississippi State scores to the Bulldog Initiative. And there's been, I don't know, maybe 50 people that have either responded publicly or messaged me privately that have said, hey, Steve, I'm going to do that too. I believe in this. I believe in Mississippi State. I want us to be competitive. So I'm going to rise to the challenge. And maybe I can't do a monthly donation, but I can do a one-time donation. So I'm going, to, I'm going to honor that challenge. And we'll probably do it again for the Egg Bowl. But $5 for every point scored against Auburn and a Bulldog win, right? And I might even reconsider it no matter what we do. I mean, just do it. Now, how are those funds used? That's a big question people have. Well, we don't really use it on the recruiting front like maybe perhaps some people think. Now, the state of Mississippi allows us to have NIL deals for commitments, but not necessarily in hopes of getting an NIL deal from a collective. So there, there is a little gray area there, and Charlie, being an attorney, is navigating through that legally to ensure that Mississippi State is in compliance with NIL legislation and state laws. How that money can be used, too, for current players is very important. We think about players opting out for bowl games. You know, last year, Charles Cross did, Martin Emerson did. Both were expected to, uh, to command high draft picks. They did. Charles Cross, obviously a first-rounder. But there are a lot of players out there that maybe are not similarly situated that are considering opting out. Well, now all of a sudden you can use the collective and, um, and maybe provide some incentive for those guys to play. 
And again, Charlie is the guy to speak to for all your questions. There, you know, I, I don't. While I am a partner with the collective, I believe in what Charlie's doing. That's why we did Rock Vegas to help raise money. We raised about twenty-seven thousand dollars for the collective. Very proud of that. We're going to raise even more money next year with Rock Vegas too. Hope that you'll come out and be part of that too. Buy tickets, come to the show. We're going to do our best to do it a Friday night before a home game. It's important. It is. And so if you have questions, Charlie Winfield has been very generous with his time. And on jeanspage.com, Charlie Winfield has basically answered the challenges that people have had. You know, what do we do with this? Now, there are a lot of people that say, Steve, I just don't like the direction of college athletics. I'll be honest with you, I don't either. I don't either. But Mississippi State's ability to be competitive outweighs my maybe apprehension about NIL. It's kind of like, and Charlie and I had this discussion. It's like somebody says, well, I don't believe in NIL. Well, you may as well not believe in gravity. Whether you do or you don't, it's still here. And so we have seen the Bulldog family really rise to the occasion this week, but we're still very far behind. We're not as far behind as some people reported, but we are behind. And this week has been a step in the right direction. Now, you're going to see a lot of QR codes at tailgates this weekend from friends of the program. They're going to encourage you to give. They're going to encourage you to set up perhaps monthly donations. And I'm going to encourage you to consider that. I'm not going to think any less of you if you don't, but I'm going to think a little bit more of you if you do, right? So let's get behind this. And what's been amazing, pardon me, is so many people that maybe have varying opinions about Mike Leach or varying opinions about our athletic department have said, you know what? I see the value in this. I understand the urgency in this. And so I'm going to jump on board with this. Now, there are a couple of things that I want to share, too, because I want to keep make sure the record is clear. A lot of people have said, well, why, why all of a sudden is the university getting behind this? Well, it's, it's only been about 10 days since the university could legally do this. And some would say, well, you know, we should have done more. You know what? Maybe we should have. That's one of the reasons we had a rock show. That's one of the reasons we've talked about the initiative extensively on the show is because, you know, to raise awareness. It is an important aspect of college athletics as we move forward. And as I shared on Wednesday's show, when you get ready to hire a new coach, let's say you don't like Mike Leach. All right, so who are you going to be able to get if we don't have proper NIL funding in place? It's like, yeah, great. I understand what you're going to do with facilities. I understand my, my benefits package. I understand my salary. I understand the salary pool I have for assistant coaches. But how much money do I have to work with in NIL? Let that sink in for a second. And let's say, for an example, we're courting a, a coach just like another school is, and maybe they are much more established than we are in NIL funding. Well, all things being equal, they're not going to be equal. If that is the deciding factor, we're going to not get the coach. And so it's important that we build this war chest. And again, I don't like it. I don't like having to do this. There's a lot of things in life I don't enjoy, like paying my insurance premium, right? But there are things you have to do to ensure that you're going to be competitive. And this is one of them. But I wanted to answer some questions and kind of provide some detail here on the show. But again, I'm going to defer to Charlie at the end of the day because he is the guy that uh, 
that knows a whole lot more about this than I do. And, and again, I, I think Charlie is probably, for the first time, feeling really good. Times he's felt good, but feeling really good that the fact that now this thing has got, got some real momentum. And that's been the most encouraging thing is to see Bulldog fans say, you know what? I've been reluctant to get involved with this, but if this is what it's going to take, it's what I'm going to do. There are some people that have told me, you know, Steve, I'm just not going to do it. And, and that's disappointing, but I respect your decision. I don't agree with your decision, but I respect your decision. At the end of the day, it is your money. But I guess it was Peanut that said on our message board, and it's Peanut, you know, I, I'm not going to use his real name. But he said, you know, everybody wants to win, but not everybody's invested in winning. I shared that with you on Wednesday, and I had some other people say, you know what, Steve, that, that really struck a chord with me. It did with me, too. And I'm a guy that deals with words. I couldn't have said that better. I'm committed to winning, and I hope you are too. And again, you know, I think everybody can be involved, maybe on different levels, and maybe you jump in bo- jump aboard now and you set up, uh, you know, small monthly disbursements, and then maybe a year from now you can increase that. And uh, I had a young lady this evening that came to me and said, "I just finished up a five-year financial commitment a, a do- a, of a donation to the university." And so I, I, I kind of not want to do all of that again. But now that I'm done with that, I'm going to continue to give money through the initiative. And I appreciate that. I appreciate this young lady's support of Mississippi State. I wish there were more of us that could give more. I wish we had more rich donors. I wish we didn't have to deal with this. There are a lot of things I wish for. You know, I wish that all of our NFL players would be involved in this. We've got some, but I wish we had them all. I wish Darius Slay, Fletcher Cox, and others would say, you know what, hey, I've got to find a way to make this happen. You know, here's the deal, too. You don't want to completely forget about the Bulldog Club either. So this is kind of in addition to that. But I submit to you there are a lot of people out there that would tell you, people that maybe have a little more, you know, expertise when it comes to this. You know, your Bulldog Club donations goes for coaching salaries. It goes for facilities. And then your Bulldog Initiative donation goes for putting a better team on the field. goes to your players. And, again, I don't like it. I don't like that we're in a situation. My hope is is within the next uh, 24 months, perhaps they come up with a uniform protocol and maybe they open the the door for the universities themselves to pay the players. You can say, Steve, I don't agree with paying players. Well, players have always been paid. Now it's just legal. And so the doors are open for us to really make an impact. Now, I don't think every player, like you see some people out there said, hey, we're going to pay everybody this. Everybody's going to get something. You know what? That's great. It is. But the, the greater players are going to get the greater funds. And that's how life works, right? I mean, the more, the more talented people among us get paid the most. You can look at it all across sports. Again, I don't like the direction college athletics are heading. And I think at some point they're going to get their arms around this. But until they do, we got to tread water and kind of help do it ourselves. So that's a little bit of a summation on that. So go to bulldoginitiative.com if you need information. And if, you, if I didn't fully answer your questions, Charlie Winfield will. Be patient with him. He's being, you know, as you can imagine, you know, with 900 new donors, uh, there's a lot of questions, a lot of emails. And a lot of people are like, hey, this is really the first time I've I've looked into this. I didn't know what it all meant. And so I want to get involved and I got questions. 
And so it's important that you, that you ask those questions. But I can assure you this is legitimate. This is something that is endorsed by the, your university. It's not just some third-party deal where, you know, we're all just giving money and it's never going to go into the hands of our student-athletes. It absolutely is. And I would encourage you, too, you know, maybe if you've got, um, maybe you've got a birthday party coming up or you've got an, an event, maybe you're trying to get people to, you know, get the door swinging, maybe you're a new business, I would encourage you to perhaps set up an appearance and have them come sign some autographs for you or something like that. You know, people can come meet some of your favorite players. It's an important aspect of it, too. But there's a lot of ways that you can help. There's a lot of ways that you can get some benefit from this. But more importantly, so can Mississippi State. And uh, I know we all love Mississippi State. What, whether you agree with the NIL legislation or not, I encourage you to consider uh, being a part of this. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. We've talked about Portico several times, and I don't, I don't think we make it to 90 minutes tonight because I'm, I'm really, really tired i got to get up early, and then we've got a ball game to cover tomorrow night, so I'm going to enjoy watching some football. But um, Portico, Brooks Bryan, our friend, your friend, Starville's friend, Mississippi State friend, uh, Brooks Bryan, is part of a great group of individuals bringing this wonderful residential development to Starkville. Very easy to get to. You turn off 82 onto 12. The very first ride is Pat Station Road through the four-way stop. Boom, there it is, Portico on the right. Give yourself a self-guided tour. Go by and check it out. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home. Go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. And if you need a custom build, they can help you with that too. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two under construction. I believe 10 houses have already begun construction on. About half of those are sold. You can still pick out a lot and pick out a house plan. Or maybe let them know. It's like, hey, I need this. Got to have that. They can accommodate you. It's important to understand this is not like a cookie-cutter type neighborhood. And if you, if you see a house plan you really like, it's like, yeah, I want my house to look like that, they can do that too. You're not going to be stuck in a place you don't like. Give Brooks a call or text today at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Okay, let's talk about game day. Now, the weather situation appears to be improving. Now, there was some discussion. People, oh, it's going to be a wet one. And I submit to you that the um, putting the 10-day forecast on our phones has really kind of been the ruin of society in many respects because now everybody's an amateur meteorologist. But uh, it is supposed to rain much of the morning and into the early afternoon. There was some talk yesterday that maybe perhaps it would go into game time. That is no longer in the forecast. So we're expected to get a thunderstorm around 7 a.m. And then kind of a light rain in the afternoon. And then the rain should stop, according to the app, around 3. So by the time we get ready to kick off a football game, the rain should be gone. It is going to be in the mid-60s. Later in the ball game, there is a chance of rain around 9 o'clock. And the way that this thing changes, you just never know. Hopefully, we've already got the game in hand then. So I would encourage you to maybe dress a little bit warmer and bring some rain gear just in case. Chance for some wet weather late in the ball game. But it does appear there is a window for us to get the majority of the game in before uh, those rain possibilities become a reality. So should be a good game for us. Should have an opportunity to do some cool things. Should be a chance for us to win a ball game. 
Now, let's uh, talk a little bit about what's going to happen at Auburn. Now, you know Brian Harson's gone. Their offensive coordinator is gone. So, play calling may be a bit of an adventure. Now, I watched Cole Kubelik's interview with the SEC Network, and I agree with him. And Cole, of course, a former Auburn offensive lineman. This is a guy that understands football. I, I agree with most of his observations. You've got an offensive line coach, Will Friend, that's going to be calling plays. I don't know what his play-calling responsibilities have been throughout his career. Absolutely no idea what he has done. But uh, Will Friend is a guy that's been around the Southeastern Conference for a long time. You get an offensive line coach, and again, he's a co-offensive coordinator. He is a guy from Mississippi, originally from Philadelphia, Mississippi. So one of our own, in many respects. Uh, he married uh, Carrie Moon from Pleasant Grove, Alabama. I think that's right. Uh, but nevertheless, this is a guy that uh, has been around football for a long time. Yeah, Pleasant Grove, Alabama. So, Will Friend going to be calling plays. Offensive line coaches like to run block, and Auburn has had some issues protecting a quarterback this year. And so you feel pretty confident that this is a guy that's going to run the football. And, and in Cadillac Williams, of course, legendary running back from Auburn, he's going to want to run the football too. And I don't blame him. And they're a team that has struggled. We talk about um, – you know how passing percentage has been a real challenge for them. You know, so we'll see how things go. But um, you know, looking at the bio here, uh, Will Friend, of course, uh, from Philadelphia, Mississippi, was a Neshoba Central High School graduate, attended the University of Alabama, and then went into coaching. Was at Gardner Webb for a while. Um, Put a lot of guys in the league. He played his four years. All SEC linemen there at Alabama. Coached at Colorado State. Spent some time at Georgia. He's been around the league. So, he's been around offensive play calling. And, again, I don't, I don't know how, how much of play calling that he's done. But with Cadillac and Will Friend calling, calling the shots and this being a program that there are best offensive weapons – or guys in the backfield, I expect to see a lot, a lot of running plays called. I also expect Auburn to be pretty loose. They got nothing to lose. You know, I mean, they don't have to play for their coach anymore. He's gone. You don't have to worry about, you know, being upset and things carrying over to next year because you're going to get a new uh, coaching staff in here in about a month. But I do expect Auburn to come out and try to establish the running game. Now, we have done a good job against the run at times. Of course, against Kentucky, they ran it in our throats. Alabama was a little different deal. And so, which Mississippi State defensive unit shows up? When we wear down, it's typically because we haven't been able to sustain any offensive rhythm. And then in the middle way through the second half, all of a sudden these two- and three-yard gains become five- and six-yard gains, and then they keep moving the chains and never have to throw the football. So it's important for us to stop that early. I think we've got to get some separation in the game. We've got to maybe make Auburn one-dimensional. They're going to want to run the football. I think you get some separation and try to put the game into the quarterback's hands, kind of make some things happen there because he is likely to throw you the football. 
No question about it. They are definitely a team that will give you the football if you let them. But I think part of that, too, is, you know, when you look at what Tennessee did to Kentucky, it's what we wanted to do to Kentucky, and we were just incapable of doing so. You stop the run, make Will Levis beat you, and he basically gave the game to Tennessee. We've got to have a similar game plan this week. There's no question about it. We've got to be able to go out there and stop the running game and put them in a situation where they have to rely on the passing game. Which brings me to my next point. A lot of discussion out there that Emmanuel Forbes not going to play against Auburn. I don't expect him to play. Now, we have had some discussion about that. There are some conflicting reports. You know, getting injury information about Mississippi State is very difficult to get. I had one person tell me Forbes may be back next week. I had somebody else tell me it may linger longer than that. It's what uh, they're unofficially calling it a groin injury. And that's the thing about those groin injuries. It could be a number of things. It could be something that's a uh, pulled muscle. It could be something much more substantial that requires rest, potentially surgery. And nobody's told me that, that Emmanuel Forbes is going to have surgery. But I'm just telling you that that could be a variety of things. We don't expect Emmanuel Forbes to play against Auburn. And that's probably okay. I don't know how often they're going to throw it. But I think Marcus Banks is a guy that can get in there and hold his own as the number two. Decam, of course, a guy that can get out there and do some big things. We, we kind of broke it down earlier this week. You know, they don't have kind of a prolific offensive attack when it comes to throwing the football. Javaris Johnson, of course, the junior wide receiver, an inside guy from Hewitt Trustful, 5'10", 160 pounds. More times than not, going to be paired up with a safety. It's kind of the reality of life. The number two receiver on the team, running back, Tank Bigsby. Number three receiver on the team, John Samuel Schinker, tight end. The second leading pass catcher from the wide receiver position is Coy Moore from Archbishop Rummel and Kenner. Outside receiver for them, not having a big year. 14 catches, 243 yards. The fifth leading receiver on the team is Jarquez Hunter with 13 catches. Now, that's a guy, too, that can hurt you. He can. But this is not a prolific passing team. So I think you can get away with not having Emmanuel Forbes this week, and then we'll see what happens next. Uh, Shedrick Jackson's a guy that's a senior uh, from Hoover, Alabama, but uh, his career, you know, maybe not been exactly what they hoped it would be, just a dozen catches. So I don't think this is a wide receiver group from Auburn that can really challenge this Bulldog secondary. So I think if need be, you can commit an extra defensive back to the box. Maybe it's Jackie Matthews. Do you spy Robbie Ashford? Probably. A lot of talk again, TJ Finley is out. You know, and so Robbie Ashford's kind of kind of tote the mail, but just 52.6% completion percentage. So I think you can afford to be run heavy defensively. You know what Tank Bigsby can do? You know what Ashford can do when things break down? Again, he's not Jaden Daniels. He's not Malik Hornsby, but this guy can hurt you with his feet. He absolutely can. He's a guy that can hurt you. And But when have we gotten hurt more times than not? They had a couple design quarterback runs for Hornsby. You know, Jaden Daniels got us really on third and long. You know, we're dropping people into coverage, and we just we simply couldn't contain him. Couldn't get him on the ground. He got loose. Ashford can do some of that. He's not quite as prolific as a runner as Jaden Daniels, and certainly not as Hornsby. 
but he is a guy that is good enough to move the chains. So I think spying him is probably the way to go. Do they run a lot of zone read stuff? Do they implement some option stuff? It's so difficult to make wholesale changes in a week's time. You know, when did Harson know they were getting fired? Was it on Monday? Did they feel like it was coming? There's some discussion out of uh, Alabama, some friends of ours that uh, are closely connected with some donors at Auburn that suggest they really wanted to make this decision two weeks ago. They really wanted to, uh, to make the termination of Harson prior to the bye week so they'd have plenty of time to kind of revamp the offense a little bit. And, again, you can't make a ton of wholesale changes. But after they lost the Ole Miss game, there was a lot of discussion. Hey, does Harson survive near the weekend? And that really goes back. You know, they got blasted by Georgia. I think we all thought, you know, Harson probably won't survive the season. There was a part of me at times I thought, you know what, if you're not going to make a decision or you're not going to make a coaching change until you hire an AD – Maybe you just let him ride it out. But I think that the thought process is the only way we can jumpstart this season is to have a coaching change. We lost four games in a row. We're three and five. We got to win three of the next four to get Bo eligible. And one of those is against Western Kentucky. So you've got to find a way, and maybe this is it. Maybe the team rallies around Cadillac Williams, and you think, okay, we can go win on the road at Mississippi State. We, we host A&M. We beat Western Kentucky. We lose to Alabama, we're 6-6, six and six and we're, you're going to the ballgame. I think it's pretty obvious if Harson had remained, chances of them winning more than a game down the stretch were pretty slim. And again, you never know what's going to happen with A&M. But this is an Auburn team that has really, 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 really struggled uh, to run football. Uh, so it's important to kind of understand that. Now, the rest of the injury report for State – Appears to be pretty good. Now, of course, we're getting all this unofficially. I'm told Jaden Crumberty looked good in practice, looked to be a, a difference maker against the run. That's important for State, too, especially against a run-heavy team. Now, I think it's good to have some measured expectations of Jaden Crumberty. I don't think you expect him to come out here and just be a world beater. But to get a guy with his ability back and have him healthy is huge. Is he 100%? Don't know about that. Not sure he's in football shape, but he has been practicing the last couple of weeks. And Paul Jones uh, made an observation and posted on our message board that he did see Jaden in full pads this week post-practice. So we do expect Crumberty to make his 2022 debut, as I shared on Bo Bounce show earlier this week. We expect that to happen. LaQuinson Sharp expected to be full go. Is he 100%? Not sure about that. I was told he could have played against Alabama if we absolutely had to have him. Uh, but we, we didn't travel with him. We felt like, you know what, let's give him the Alabama week and give him the bye week to heal and get better. That's important. Dylan Johnson, also available. And, again, I think you take a measured approach with him when it comes to expectations. I think Woody Marks is probably the guy that maybe is the uh, leading ground gainer and probably the guy that gets the most rushing attempts, probably the greatest number of touches among our running backs. That's good for us. Woody Marks a great player. He is. He really is. An explosive player. He's really improved during his two years here at Mississippi State. Simeon Price played pretty well against Alabama without Dylan Johnson. And so I think you can afford to maybe run Dylan a little bit. And Dylan is, is without a doubt, your best running back when it comes to pass pro. And so maybe you see Dylan out there in those situations. Maybe he catches a pass. And I think he's a guy, too. He's such a competitor. 
he gets a little uh, you know trade pain a little bit out there, gets a couple of hits. I think he'll be he'll be good to go. But I don't think he's a guy that's going to touch the football, you know, 15, 20 times. But I do expect him to play. So you get those guys back, and then you think, okay, we're going to be full strength, and we find out Forbes going to miss at least this week. At least, and I stress that, at least this week. It could turn into more. At this point, we don't know for sure, but we do not expect him to play against Auburn. But outside of that, it appears that the Bulldogs are in good shape. And we need him to be. We need this November to be one to remember for sure. We need to go at least 3-1 and one, uh, this month. 2-2. Two and two, while that gets you a seven and five season, I don't think that people are going to be happy with a seven and five season, even if you get a bowl win. You can argue, well, you know, we're okay, we had some challenges, but by the honestly, we really haven't had a lot of injuries this year. So you can't point to that and say, well, that's kind of slowed us down. We, for the most part, we've been a healthy team, and I give uh, number one just a lot of good fortune with that, but also too, I think uh, you know Tyson and the group done a good job kind of helping this team prepare for the rigors of SEC play. But um, that's part of the deal, absolutely part of the deal. So I expect State to come out and win this football game. I do expect State to come out and try to establish the running game. We saw State run the football with some success against Alabama, and then Alabama changed their front and kind of took it away from us. And Mike Leach said, you know, it was there early on. They took it. And uh, – Here's where I think things are different, right? We ran the football successfully early on against LSU. We ran the football successfully early on against Alabama. And then their defense, when they committed another player to the box, all of a sudden, instead of you having a light box to run against, you've got a heavy box to run against, you have to throw the football, but they were able to match up outside. The talent differential between their defensive backs, our receivers, favored them. I don't think that's the case with Auburn. I don't think Auburn has the ability to really match up with State on the outside. So if they commit a safety or they bring a four-man front out there, that's one less guy in the secondary, and I think they're going to struggle to stop the forward pass. Now, I do expect to see a lot of pressure from Auburn. Even though Auburn has not done a great job rushing the passer, I think they're going to commit more guys to the pass rush and try to move Will Rogers off his spot. And I think that's where having LaQuinson Sharp back is good because you kind of get back to – you know, the front you had that was so successful against A&M and Arkansas and the first half against Kentucky. You start having to move some guys around, things have gotten a little bit dicier. But, again, State has done a pretty good job protecting the passer, even against Alabama. You gave up three sacks in the game, and two of those just were on you – know, we just completely whiffed. We had a running back completely whiff on one on a blitz right up the middle. I mean, you get a little chip there, it's probably a different play. But I expect to see Auburn come after us and try to move the line of scrimmage. Uh, And I wouldn't be surprised to see them change their front up a little bit just to kind of give us a different look. But I do think this is a team, number one, that has struggled to rush the passer. They have struggled to stop the run. And so this should be a defense that we can exploit in many respects. And I think that's an important aspect of this, too. Mississippi State has been outstanding at home. We haven't been good on the road. But if we can find a way, I think, to get some separation early and then put Auburn in a kind of a decision-making process about, okay, we're going to have to maybe abandon a run to kind of keep pace here, I don't think Auburn can win a shoot. I think Auburn is a team that really needs this to be a game in the 20s, if not lower. Uh, what's interesting, too, in looking at, at the standings here, because they provide a lot of information here, uh, Vanderbilt has scored 213 points this year. 
Missouri and Kentucky, 191. Not great. Not great. Auburn has scored 183. The only team that has scored less points than Auburn is Texas A&M at 181. They played the same number of games. So this is a team that is really not putting the football in the end zone. And you look up there next to those, both of those teams have lost four games in a row. When you can't score, it's tough to win. One of the differences between A&M and Auburn is defensively, A&M has been much better in scoring defense. Auburn has allowed the second highest point total in the SEC West, 239 points. Arkansas is the only team that's allowed more points, 255. And that's a team Mississippi State defeated too. So State has defeated A&M, who's at the bottom of the standings, about to play Auburn. We beat Arkansas. So you have a chance here, again, for State to really kind of take, take a step forward here, right, and kind of put themselves in a real good position here to potentially finish fourth in the conference. I think fifth is probably, probably reasonable. But fourth is there for the taking. State's just got to find a way to, uh, to take care of business. They need a little help along the way, too, because you got, you know, Ole Miss is right there at uh, third, and I do think Arkansas is going to get hot. But, you know, State and Arkansas right now, both two and three in the conference, Ole Miss uh, two games ahead in the standings. And Ole Miss is going is to have to earn it down the stretch. And the, the schedule really doesn't favor Ole Miss. It does favor Arkansas. So, again, I think States will safely finish ahead of Auburn and A&M in, in the final standings and you're kind of jockeying for position here with Ole Miss and Arkansas. And, again, you need some help to catch Ole Miss. And, of course, you could put a loss on them and put a win in the, on your own win column um, in, the, in the Egg Bowl. So it's one game at a time, but uh, your Bulldogs should be able to win this game. I like State to win. I like State to cover. I do think the weather helps Mississippi State. But, you know, we talk about, you know, we had the rain and mist against Memphis, and State still put up a ton of points. I think that's important to kind of understand, too. You know, the air raid, people, well, it hurts us. You know, I don't know that it does or it doesn't. But, you know, the recent results would suggest that it really hadn't slowed us down. All right, you look at total defense here. Look at these Auburn numbers, too. It's like this one you think you've kind of got it all figured out. You know, we think, well, okay, Auburn has got this good front. Auburn, you know, Auburn has some athletes up front, and that's true. They're just not maximizing their talent. And, again, maybe that's all on Brian Harson. Maybe it is. State currently 57th in the country in total defense, and that's a disappointment, to be quite honest with you. We're allowing 364.5 yards a game. I really thought this defense would finish top 30, potentially top 25. Not going to do it. Now, down the list a little bit from us, 67th in the country. Ole Miss. You keep rolling down here. Tennessee, the number one team in the country, 80th in total defense because they're capable of winning shootouts. Auburn, 94th in the country in total defense, allowing just over 407 yards a game. And uh, our friends from Memphis down there, 98th in the country. How about that? Did you expect that? Now, scoring defense is one of those things, too. There's a lot of teams that give up yards between the tackles. But it's about scoring defense, right? It's about points. You know, you don't, you don't just – they don't award you any points. You've got to go out and earn those points. But scoring defense 
something, again, that kind of favors Mississippi State. Tennessee, scoring defense, we talked about those, those yards they give up. 26 in the country, allowing 21 points a game. But the anomaly there, they're tied with Texas A&M. That's the thing I think about with A&M. If they could just figure it out a little bit offensively, and I know they've had to play three quarterbacks this year, so you've kind of got to build an excuse for Jimbo, but he's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer. LSU right there at 28. It's a team we've already played. Our friends at uh, Liberty play Arkansas this weekend, and granted it's not a great schedule. they got a couple power five opponents left to play, but Liberty 31st in the country. Ole Miss 35th in the country uh, in scoring defense. Mississippi State uh, down at 48th. Not bad, not great. Could be better. And hopefully down the stretch here, we continue to climb uh, in that statistic. Auburn, though, much different situation here when it comes to scoring defense. And, and again, we've got a big enough sample size right now. You look at this and you begin to realize, okay, you know, some of these teams are not great. Arkansas, 113th in the country. I suspect that number will climb, too, in the weeks ahead. It's because of the fact that I think they will likely be favored in nearly every game they play down the stretch. Auburn, our friends at Auburn, 95th in the country. Tied with Florida, allowing 29.88 points per game. So giving up right at 30. And then, you know, scoring right at 21. And so you look at that, it's a nine-point differential. You throw in the three-point home field advantage, that puts you right there at your line. The line, I guess, is around 12, 12 and a half. I like State to cover in this ballgame. Uh, I really do. I think, this is a, I think this is a game, number one, that the team is going to be very fired up to play. I think that's an important aspect of it, too. I think you know, not playing for two weeks kind of lends itself to you having a little more urgency. Uh, I know that Dr. Keenum met with the team earlier this week kind of addressed some things, some kind of comings and goings, and told everybody, hey, you don't worry about the athletic director situation. I'll handle that. You guys go worry about the season. Take care of your academics. Be ready to go. Be ready to go play football at a high level. Let's go beat Auburn, right? Um, And we're going to throw the football around. I think we'll come out – I think we're going to establish the running game to kind of open up the pass. And that's the thing, too. When they commit another – defensive back or another able-bodied defender into the box, you got to be able to take advantage. I don't know if they ever go to man-to-man coverage. I don't know if they will. But I think you got to put them in a situation they have to consider that because I think if they sit back and, and let you run the football, which has been a real challenge for them this year, stopping the run – I think it allows State to kind of do whatever we want to do. That's an important aspect of this, is we've got to dictate terms to them. When you go back and think about that Kentucky game, we played Kentucky's game. Now, this Auburn team, you know, passed defensively, passed defensing. Maybe I can get that out. Uh, they have actually been pretty good against the pass, but the number is really kind of an anomaly. They're 26 in the country against the pass, but that's because people have not thrown the football against them. They haven't had to because they've been so successful running the football on this Auburn defense. And so if you're Mike Leach, I think that's what you have to look at. It's, okay, where, what are they willing to give us? It's got to be rushing. I don't know if you've checked out the numbers. Auburn's 127th in the country 
in rush defense. The only four teams behind them are Hawaii, Charlotte, Colorado, Louisiana Tech. But Auburn is allowing 213 yards a game on the ground, which lends itself to thinking that, hey, our running back should have a good day, whether it be running the football or catching the football out in the flats. This Auburn front has some real ability. Derek Hall is a guy that's having an all-SEC caliber year. I don't think he makes first team. But that guy's going to be motivated to come in here and play in his home state. Going to have a lot of – he grew up around a lot of Bulldog fans. He's going to want to have bragging rights. I just don't think Auburn has enough pieces to put this thing together. But if Mike Leach is smart, and he is, Mike Leach will come out there and try to establish the running game first. Now, I think a lot of that's Woody Martz. I think a lot of that is Simeon Price. And I think some of that's going to be Dylan Johnson. I think you run them out of what they want to do. Now, again, they may come up there and load the box and have a heavy box and listen, we're not going to come out there in a jumbo set. We're not going to do that. It's not what we do. We have an answer for that. We just got to be able to pass protect. And, again, this is an Auburn team that has struggled with the quarterback on the ground. So we need our offensive line to play at the level it did against Arkansas and uh, Texas A&M. And I don't think there's any reason we shouldn't. I think when you look at the intangibles, when you look at what – you know, Auburn situation is, I mean, like if the shoe is on the other foot and we had fired our coach and our play caller and we had our running backs coach, let's say we had Booby Dixon coaching the team, right? We'd say, you know what? They'll be fired up and ready to go. But emotion only gets you so far when it comes to college football. You've got to be able to execute. You've got to be able to implement a game plan. And that's difficult to do. Now, I'm sure they have pared some things down and said, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be aggressive, but at the same time, too, we're going to be measured in these pressures, too, because we don't want to have bust. But Auburn's 75th in the country in sacks. 75th. Just two a game. I submit to you, if we give up two or less sacks in this game, then we're going to win the game rather handily. I just don't know that Auburn as a team is capable of really uh, influencing Will Rogers maybe the, the way they need to. I just don't think there are enough pieces in that secondary and certainly uh, in that linebacker core uh, to really make you change what you want to do. So, again, I have State winning the game and covering. I hope that you guys will be here and enjoy that game with us. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We, are, we did make the 90-minute mark. I did find a late second win there. I'm going to go get in the bed, get a few hours sleep, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys at Davis Wade Stadium. Again, I'll be at Campus Bookmart 1-4 to four today. And then if you're in town tomorrow, many of you will spend the night. I will be downtown at Bookmart and Cafe uh, from 11 to 3. Usually after a home game, I go spend some time with Miss Carolyn Abadi down there at Bookmart and Cafe. That is my home store in many respects. Uh, so I'll be there with them for the uh, Christmas open house. It's not just me, though. It is an author event. Uh, I believe, let me see here. I think I've got the list here. Let me give you the list here of uh, the authors that will be there. Because, again, it's not just me. So here it is, the, uh, yeah, the 12 authors of Christmas. And here are some names that you may know. Danny Arnold. Alan Baswell, Scott Hendricks, Joe Lee, and Joe has a new book out. I haven't read it yet, but Joe's got a new book out. Chris Lee, that's T.K. Lee, uh, the poet 
from uh, MUW, very, very talented guy. Mark Lehman, Eve Lundy-Lewis, Pete Melby, Elliot Parker, myself, Garrett, Gary Smith, and then the ultra-talented Wyatt Waters will be there signing his watercolor calendars for next year. So that's a great opportunity for you to come get some great Christmas gifts uh, for the people in your life. And, of course, uh, Bookmark Cafe, too, has a lot of uh, merchandising that's not just books. You can pick up some Mississippi State merch uh, while you're there. And this incredible service, Miss Carolyn Abadi, just absolutely one of the nicest people that you'll ever meet. I'll be back with her. Let me think here. So next, I think my next event, I'm just pulling this off the top of my head here. Uh, my next event, once we get through this weekend, we'll have a busy weekend next weekend. We are at uh, Maroon and Company. I've got it right here. So we're at Maroon and Company Friday, November 11th from 2 to 5. I will immediately leave there and go downtown to the Unwind event at Book Martin Cafe. Saturday, before the Georgia game, I will be at the Lodge from 1.30 to 4. And then Tuesday... If you're a member of the 120 Club, Tuesday the 15th, I will be with you guys there. And then Thursday, November 17th, I'll be at the Starville Touchdown Club. So a, uh, a busy stretch here for your good friend and host. Uh, here is the holiday sweeps season is here. If you can't make an event and you still want to buy some books, you can go to dogpilethebook.com. All of my sports books available there. And, again, we're dangerously low on inventory with Stark Villains. And it's not just at the warehouse through the publisher, but in stores too. Uh, I think we. I think at uh, at Mistletoe. If you're going to Mistletoe tomorrow, you can still find signed books. I think there are two copies of Stark Villains left. I think that's all they have left. So dangerously low on Stark Villains and really low on Alpha Dogs, but uh, still some stock available. And you can order from the publisher at dogpilethebook.com. Get signed copies of Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, and Dogpile, which we're selling a bunch of those. Uh, and then Blooms of Oleander are always available through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMillion.com, or through your local bookstore. It's wonderful. Stark Villains gear, it's time to start thinking about that too. Stark Villains gear available through StarkVillains.com. Get a t-shirt, a hoodie, whatever you need, you can get it. And uh, a couple of you have hit me up to see if we were going to do Stark Villains thongs. No, we're not. I was just joking about that. I don't know that it would fit anyway. Uh, but thank you for your interest in uh, expanding the merchandising empire. So be sure and check it out. And thank you guys so much for your support of jeanspage.com. And I can't say enough. This grassroots efforts of NIL support started on our message board. I didn't start it. I don't claim ownership of it, but I absolutely support it. And it's been so wonderful to see people that are kind of allies today that maybe weren't two weeks ago. You know, maybe we, we, didn't, we didn't share the same opinions but right now, everybody's thinking, you know what? This is time for the Mississippi State family to come together. And let's just kind of join forces. We'll get back to arguing later. But right now, we feel like in some way we're kind of in crisis. And so we're going to unite as a fan base to support the institution that we love so much. And that is so incredibly rewarding. And I'm so incredibly grateful that, uh, that our membership is really kind of uh, pushing this thing along. And so you're probably going to have some people show up at your tailgate kind of barking at you about Bulldog Initiative, and chances are uh, there are people from Gene's Page that are part of our true maroon community over there. Thank you guys so much, and God bless you all. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.